Well, good morning, Harvest. We're so glad to see everyone this morning. I hope everyone had a wonderful day yesterday. Merry Christmas. I'm glad to see everyone here today. I'd like to welcome everyone. If you're a guest with us today, thank you for being with us. Well, thank you for everybody joining us online. I'd just like to welcome everyone. And if you are a guest with us this morning, I just wanted to let you know we have a uh, gift bag for you out in the foyer, out on, out on the information counter. Um, please pick one of those up on your way out. It just has some information about the church, and we would just like to get one of those into your hands. Um, on the inside of our rows, if you could take the, um, the black folder out, that's our Harvest Register. Um, whether you are a guest or a regular attender, take a few moments, fill that out. Uh, there are uh, There's places in there if, you want to, if you're interested in getting involved in ministry, getting involved in a small group. You can check that off. Let us know. Place for prayer requests on there. Let us know what you, you know, what's going on in your life. How can we be praying for you? And Pastor Dusty, our elders and our prayer team be praying for those throughout the week. Uh, just a few announcements. Uh, this coming, I think it's Friday night, is New Year's Eve. Dusty will be doing an all-nighter with teenagers. So teenagers, if you want to come and hang out with Pastor Dusty and Play games, eat food, come and talk to him if you have any questions, and he will let you know times and everything about that. So um, I know he's looking maybe for some more help. If you, adults, if you want to stay up all night, if you're like, hey, that's me, talk to Dusty. He'll let you more than happy have him come. So um, Friday night, New Year's Eve. Um, out on the information counter is our 2022 um, harvest budget. Uh, we've made those available. If anybody is interested in seeing, hey, what are we going to be doing next year? Um, money being spent. Those are available for you out in the foyer. You can pick one up. If you have any questions about it, um, please talk to me. All right. Um, I'm, I'm going to ask this. If you have any questions or comments about the budget, don't go to Barbara and go, I can't believe that. Come and talk to me, okay? I, I, the elders and I can explain, you know, what's, what's on there more than Barbara or Joe can, all right? So, um, also, on uh, January 29th, the elders and I, um, we want to say thank you to anyone who has served in any capacity in this church over the past year, okay? So if you've served, I don't care where it is or what you've done, we want to say thank you. And we're going to have an appreciation dinner that night, and we're going to do barbecue. Um, we're going to do um, barbecue pulled pork. We're going to do, I think, brisket and ribs and baked beans. We're going to do all kinds of stuff, all right? And so we want to just say thank you to you who have served, all right? So like I said, any capacity that you've served, this is for you. And starting next week, we're going to have a, 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 um, a sign-up sheet. So that way we can have an idea how much food we need to have um, by how many people will be attending. So make, uh, make plans for that if you could come. And uh, lastly, um, Marlene wanted me to let you know that Tuesday night there will be no men's group or women's group um, um, here at the church. So um, make plans um, about that. So if you attend that, please do not show up here at the church Tuesday night because they won't be here. So um, no group Tuesday night. So elders or elders, <laughs> ushers, why don't you guys come forward? I just promoted you guys. <laughs> Let's get ready to take our offering this morning. Um, if you're a guest here today, please don't feel you have to give into the offering. This is for those of us who call Harvest Home. All right, we are the regular attenders. We are the ones that that give into this thing with our tithes and our offerings, and we want to continue to trust God as um, we give that He is blessing us as a church, blessing us as families. And so, let me pray and ask God's blessing over the offering. Father, we are grateful. Uh, for your provision, for your hand upon us. Lord, as we start to look forward now to a new year, uh, Lord, help us to finish this year strong in our giving, but also let us be prepared um, to continue to be those givers in the new year. And Lord, we just thank you for what you're doing. We just give you the praise and glory for it all. In Jesus' name, amen.
bodily to Lord Jesus. No crying he makes. I love you, Lord Jesus. Look down from the sky and stay by my cradle till morning is nigh. Amen. All right, hey, do me a favor. Open up a Bible, turn on a Bible, but get to James chapter 5. James chapter 5. If you don't have a Bible and you would like one, you can raise your hands. Our ushers can grab one. We have Bibles in the back, and they can put one in your hand. But we're going to be in James chapter 5 today. We're done with our Christmas series. We're getting back into our study of the book of James. And we, have, um, we started this back in August, and um, on the very first message... Um, of James, I said something about the book of James. Can anybody remember what I said the book of James will be? Hard. Hard. Okay, and I'm, I'm going to be honest, um, and, and I'm sure a lot of you probably were like, when I entered into my Christmas series, I bet you were like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad. <laughs> I'm just so tired of being beaten up, okay? Um, well, here's the thing. We're jumping right back into the deep end of the pool again, okay? We're not waiting in, um, and I'm really, and, and don't shoot the messenger today. All right, um, because today we're talking about money. All right, and and I, I I'm not. I didn't just pick this out. All right, it's not like I just got up and like hey, I'm gonna preach on money today. It is actually the next thing that we are coming into. Okay, in James chapter five verse one, and I just kind of find it interesting that we're gonna be talking about money coming out of Christmas, because how many people get in money trouble because of Christmas, and we're coming into a new year. And so I, I, I've entitled this message, um, Smart Money, okay? And, if, and as I looked back, I actually, my last message um, in James was actually called Smart Planning. And so this one is called Smart Money. And what is going to be required in order to um, have smart money? So I've got two main points today and then a few, about like four um, things right at the end. So let's look at... First, let me read the text to give you an idea what we're going to be looking at today and why it's kind of going to be hard. And he says in verse 1 of chapter 5, Come now, you rich, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted, your garments are moth-eaten, your gold and your silver have corroded, and, they, and their corrosion will be evidence against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have laid up treasure in the last days. Behold, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you have kept back by fraud, are crying out against you, and the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. You have lived on the earth in luxury and in self-indulgence. You have fattened your hearts in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the righteous person. He does not resist you. All in favor, that's not fun, is it? Okay, James is saying some really heavy stuff here today. So let's begin with this first thought of um, what smart money requires. Smart money requires that I view money with an eternal perspective and not just a temporal one. Smart money requires that I look at money, I view money, I see money, I use money with an eternal perspective and not just a temporal one. So he begins there and he, he says, come now. Those words come now is like James is trying to rally the troops. All right. He, he, he's, he's trying to get their attention. It's the same thing he said in chapter, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> chapter four, verse 13. Come now. He, he, he's trying to get their attention. He's trying to get them to understand what I'm about to say is so important. I need you to listen up. Don't tune me out. Don't turn me off. Don't let it go in one ear and right out the other. But come now, listen to what I have to say. And so he says, come now, you rich. He's addressing. Now, it's interesting as I, as I studied this and I read different commentaries. It's very interesting that a lot of commentators believe that James is talking to rich unbelievers. I completely disagree because this book was written to Jewish 
believers. We even know that at the very beginning of, of, of the book. He's writing to the church. So he's writing, to my, in my opinion, to wealthy Christians, all right? And he's writing to these wealthy, rich Christians, but their focus has gone sideways, okay? Now, he, he, so he's addressing rich Christians and rich business owners who are Christians. So now maybe at about this time, you're like, I don't have to pay attention to this one because I'm not rich. So Jim, you just go ahead and, and I'm just going to let, no, don't do that. That's why I'm looking at this because I'm pretty sure probably all of us in this room, um, and I may be wrong. Maybe, maybe, maybe you haven't, you've just been pulling the wool eyes. Maybe there are some multimillionaires in here. I don't know. But I have, an, I have a sneaky feeling probably the most of us in here wouldn't classify ourselves as rich as people who are classified as rich are rich, okay? Probably the most of us in here aren't, aren't millionaires. So we probably look at this and go, well, that doesn't apply to me. Well, that's why I want us to look at this in a, in a practical application of, listen, do you have money? Okay, because here's the thing. It's not just rich people who can go sideways in their perspective about money. Can I tell you something? You can make $35,000 and still have a wrong perspective. You can just make, you could be literally making $300 a week and you could have a completely temporal perspective about money and never have an eternal perspective on it. It doesn't matter the amount. It matters where's your perspective. Do you have an eternal perspective in regards to money or a temporal one? And that's what James is getting at here, okay? Because these rich people, all they had was a temporal perspective. And they were completely sideways in their view on money. And that's why he says there, he says, Come now, you rich, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Now, Here's the thing, as, as I read through that text, you were probably thinking, wow, James is just, he's just pulled out the billy club and he's just like beating these people. I mean, now here's what we need to understand. The Bible is not opposed to riches. The Bible does not say being rich is a sin. The Bible does not say you can't have money. The Bible doesn't, doesn't say that you can't enjoy having things. It is not anti-money, all right? Here's what the Bible is against. The Bible isn't against you having money. It's against money having you. Okay? What the Bible is against, because the Bible is loaded with lots of rich people. Okay? I mean, a lot of God's people were wealthy. And they were still considered very godly people. The, the, the thing of why they were still, still considered godly is because their perspective was correct. Okay? If the Bible is against you and me pursuing money at all costs, okay? Jesus says where your heart is, your treasure will be. Your heart and your treasure are connected. Your heart and your money are connected. So if my heart is pursuing Christ, it's pursuing the things of God, it's pursuing the eternal. If my heart is going that way, guess where my money's following? It's following the eternal. But if my heart is pursuing the temporal. It's pursuing, well, I just want more things. I want to have more money. I just, I'm pursuing just the temporal. So my pursuit of Christ is diminished. My pursuit of the church is diminished. I'm not after God like I'm after money. So guess what? If my heart is toward the, if my, if my heart is toward the temporal, my money's following. Okay? So the, the Bible isn't against money. It's against money having you. It's money controlling you. It's money getting your perspective all sideways. And so James begins by saying, you rich, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Now, he's not saying just because they're rich, misery's coming on them. Okay? What he's saying is their riches, they're putting, they're putting their hope in their riches. They're, they're, they're chasing after their riches more than anything else. They just want to be rich just to be rich so they can have more. And, and the way what we'll see as we get into the text is they're hurting people. 
They're taking advantage of people just so they can be more prosperous. And he's like, you need to understand when you have a perspective that you're, that you're all about money just to have money just so I can have more, and your, your, your perspective is just the temporal and not the eternal, he says, I'm telling you, miseries are coming. Okay? I mean, when was the... How many of you um, remember what happened on October 1929? Stock market crash. Okay? Wiped out millions of dollars for millionaires. And what happened right after that was this. You had millionaires committing suicide because they lost it all. Misery was following because their love was all about the money. How many people um, have, have won the lottery and misery has followed? Why? Because all of a sudden I have all this money and this is what now I'm about and this is my passion, this is my pursuit and misery follows. You see, one of, when, when he talks about misery following, I believe it can fall into two categories, the present and the eternal. Present miseries come when I'm putting my trust in my money thinking my money, it can, it can, it can cure all my, all my ills. Well, tell that to the people who won the lottery and misery followed. Tell that to people who um, have lost loved ones to death. Tell that to the person who has the diagnosis of stage four cancer. Money's not bringing someone back from the dead. Money's not curing my cancer. Okay? No matter how much I have, no matter how much I pursue it, no matter how much I love it, there are things in life when misery happens, money's doing nothing for it. Okay? So... So if I love money and pursue money and only money, and when misery follows, that money's not going to take care of it. But I think the second issue where, where when James talks about misery is probably more likely in regards to these people is that these Christians, and this is the eternal misery, the people that I believe he's addressing were, were people who were playing church. People who were wealthy, very rich, but they loved being in the church because of the, the acclamations they received. They loved being in the church because of the positions they could hold. My money gets me positioned in the church. My money gets me um, things in the church. See, so they played church. They, they, they loved being part of the church because of what they could get in the church, but here's the problem. They were not part of the church. They did not have a relationship with Christ. They had money. They, 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 they were part of a church because, well, that's, but they were still lost spiritually. So the miseries, I think what James is talking about that is going to pursue them and come upon them is these rich people who want to be part of a church but aren't part of Christ. Here's the reality. They will, stand at the they will stand at the great white throne judgment as Revelation talks about, and they will give an account of their sin. They will be judged by the creator himself and found guilty because of their sin. And no matter how many billions of dollars I have on this side of heaven, it will not save me at that point. My money will mean nothing. Now, maybe you're thinking, whew, I'm glad I'm not rich then. Listen, listen. We can't be deceived about this. Because can I tell you, there are poor people in church who do not know Christ. There are people who make minimum wage sitting in a church, but they are still lost spiritually. They don't know Christ. They haven't repented of their sin. And they also will stand before the great white throne and give an account of their sin. You see, it doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor. Whether you make millions or you make only hundreds, if you don't know Christ, you will stand at the great white throne judgment and you will give an account of your sin. And that is the ultimate misery. Because at that point, it doesn't matter who you were, what you had, what you owned. It doesn't matter. If you don't know Christ and your name is not found in the book of life, God Almighty will look at you and say, I never knew you. Depart from me.
wealthy or poor. And the book of Revelation says that. There will be great mighty men and there will be low men standing before God, giving an account for their sin, giving an account for the fact that they never received Christ as their Savior. Now again, let's not deceive ourselves, okay? The other misery I believe that some Christians will experience is this. Again, you may not be a millionaire. You may not be labeled rich, okay? And you may be middle, maybe you're just middle income. Maybe you're, you're, when you file your taxes, your adjusted gross income is $85,000. Maybe it's $50,000. Can I tell you? If your perspective is still temporal, you may be a believer in Christ and you may get to heaven. But here's the thing. The Bible tells us that Christians, we will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, we're not going to give an account for our sin. Jesus paid for that. And when you come to know Christ as your Savior, you know that all your sin has been forgiven. But here's the thing. As a believer, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 4 that we are stewards. And stewards are to be found faithful for what they've been given. So everything you have as a believer in Jesus Christ, your time, your treasure, and your talent is going to be judged by Jesus Christ. Not your sin, but what you did with what he gave you. And listen, whether, whether you have millions of dollars or you make only a few thousand dollars, guess what Jesus wants you to be? A steward of it. Because some people are like, well, I don't make very much. Why do I have to give? Let, let, we, almost, we almost put it into the, the political. Let the millionaires pay the taxes and let not the. So sometimes the Christian mentality, let the rich Christians take care of the church. I don't make very much, so I don't have to give. Wrong. If God has allowed you only to make $35,000, guess what? He still wants you to be faithful. If he's allowed you to make $150,000, he wants you to be faithful. And what that means is, God, here's what I have. And I want to use it for your glory. So guess what? There will be Christians who aren't making a lot of money. Their adjusted gross income is 50000 60000 But here's the thing. They only have a temporal vision for it, not an eternal one. And you're not using your money for God. You're not investing in the church or ministry or any way. And here's the, here's the misery that will come upon you. You will be saved, but because you're not faithful with your finances, you will lose rewards. You're not storing up anything in heaven. And you will stand before Christ and you'll give an account. And if we're not being faithful with our finances, because I'm telling you, in 20 years of being a pastor, I've had multiple people say this to me. You know what? I use my time, in, and I use my time to serve. So as long as I serve, I don't have to give financially. Show me in the Bible where, you, where, where we can get away with that. And I will tell you right here and now, you never have to give to the church again. You won't find that. Nowhere in the Bible. What we find is that we are to be faithful with our time, faithful with our talents, and faithful with our treasure. And if I am, if I am not being faithful with those things, yes, I may be saved. But as Paul says in Corinthians, you are saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. And we will lose rewards. And that will be a misery. And so... so Paul is saying, don't let these miseries come upon you. But then he goes on. And he kind of keeps going. He, he says, your riches have rotted. Your garments are moth-eaten. And your gold and your silver have corroded. And their corrosion will be evidence against you and you and will eat your flesh like fire. Now, in ancient times, in James's times... People were financially prosperous and, and were known to be prosperous in a few different ways. Like when he says, you know, your, your riches have rotted, um, grain and oil 
would have been a, a surplus people would have had. He says, your garments are moth-eaten. People would have had very expensive clothing and a lot of them. And then he says, your gold and silver have corroded. In all of these things, he's really drilling down on one thing. Because how many of you know gold cannot, it, it can't rust, okay? It can become tarnished, but it, but it still maintains its gold value, all right? What he's saying is, it doesn't matter how much grain or oil you have. It doesn't matter how many fancy clothes you have. It doesn't matter how much wealth you have. Apart from God, it means nothing, because it has no eternal value. If all I am using all my stuff for, I'm, you know, all, all the money I make is just so I can use it on myself and so I can have more stuff. And if my perspective is only temporal and never eternal, apart from God, everything that I have, my big house, my cars, my job, my money, whatever it is, apart from God is useless. And worthless because it has no eternal value. In the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 2, verse 24, it says this There is nothing better for a person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also is from the hand of God, for apart from him, who can eat or have enjoyment? See, the book of Ecclesiastes says, look, apart from God, everything you do in life really means nothing because it's not going to transfer. It's not carrying over. It's not going into the eternal. If everything I work for is for the temporal, guess where it stays? In the temporal. And James is saying, look, it doesn't matter what you have. It doesn't matter how much money you make. If all you are doing is spending it on the temporal, it is worthless. James is trying to hit us here very strong. And he wants us to, he's like, if you want to have smart money, you need to begin with this very one perspective. View your money from the eternal and not the temporal. Because the temporal it's not lasting. The temporal, it's not continuing. But the eternal is everlasting. And that's what you and I need to be getting after, is the eternal, not just the temporal. Here's the second thing that um, smart money requires, and it's this. View money to be a blessing and not just to gather more and spend it on myself. View your money to be a blessing, not just to gather more and spend it on myself. Look at the end of verse 3 there. James writes and he says, you have laid up treasure in the last days. The last days could, could represent the end of your life or the last days of Jesus about to come. Well, here's the thing. I, I, how many of you, it really doesn't matter whether it's the end of your life or Jesus coming back. Because here's the reality. Every day that you and I live, we are speeding forward to eternity. Okay? Every day that clicks off your calendar is another day closer to eternity. And so we need to get a hold of what's my view about money right now while, while, while I'm speeding toward eternity because once this life ends, eternity starts and there is no more, oh, I, I need to make up for, no, we're done, we're lost, it's over. There is no more second chances to do with what we, God has given us. And so we need to use this thing as a blessing. You know, he talks about storing up treasure. He's talking about storing up treasure here on this earth, in the temporal, storing it up. He's echoing the words of Jesus in the book of Matthew. You know, Jesus, Jesus said in the book of Matthew, chapter 6, verse 19, he says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Do not lay up treasures here on this earth, but lay up treasure in heaven, okay? Well, laying up treasure on earth is simply this. I, 
I just have a temporal perspective. My view about money is only temporal. So guess what I'm doing? I just want to make more money so I can have more things. I just want to make more money so I can buy the bigger house, have the bigger house, have the fancier car. I just want more stuff. And so we just keep collecting more stuff. Now, the question is, is the Bible against you like saving up for retirement? Okay. When it says do not store up treasure on, on earth, how many of you know that's not talking about don't be wise with your money? Okay, we are to be wise and look forward to the future. We should be saving up and retire, saving for retirement. That's not what this is talking about. It's not anti-retirement. This is not saying that you, you can't make a good wage, make a good living. It's not saying that you can't have nice things. It's not saying you can't go on vacation because I'm telling you, the more I study this stuff, man, there are two ditches we can land in when it comes to, to, to money. One is, as I was watching, you know, I was, I, 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 as I was waiting for Paula to get out of the shower, and I'm like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there just kind of thinking about my message. I'm watching the news a little bit. I flip through the channels, and, and I come across this guy. His name is Mike Murdoch, and I'm watching this guy, and I'm going, oh, you've got to be kidding me. This guy, I've seen him preach and the only thing, he, there's nothing else in the Bible except for one thing. God wants you to be a millionaire. He's written books on seven steps on how to be a millionaire. He even has the millionaire's Bible. And I went, dude, you are so far in a ditch. But then there's another ditch. And I read this in a commentary. That as long as there's unsafe people on earth, how can you ever, you should never eat at a restaurant. You should never go uh, live in, stay in a hotel. I'm like, that's a ditch. There is balance, okay? There, th- let's stay all in favor of out of the ditches, okay? A, a ditch, uh, the, you're, when you're driving a car, do you like, oh, I'm in the ditch. I love being in the ditch. Get out of the, you get out and like, I want to go in the other ditch. Nobody wants to be in the ditch. So, So what we want to do is look at money correctly. So when he's talking about and when Jesus talks about don't lay up treasure on earth, what he's talking about is don't love it. Don't be so fixated on it. Don't be like, this is the thing I'm putting my hope in. This is what I'm going to put my trust in. And I just want more stuff. I just want more money just because... And so when I am just wanting to have more money just to spend on myself, what I'm doing is laying up treasure here. And Jesus and James both say, lay up treasure in heaven. So here's how I lay up treasure in heaven. Anytime I do something for God, anytime I, I, I give my tithe, anytime I, I sow into a ministry, anytime I, I help a need, Anytime I, I, I help advance the gospel, anytime I let my money go and I use it to bless somebody, I use it as a blessing and I'm not just hanging on to it. I'm just like, nope, it's for me, man. It's to, to advance me and make me better and make me. Nope. Anytime I let that thing go and I release it to be a blessing, guess what I'm doing? Storing up treasure in heaven. Paul writes it this way in 1 Timothy 6.18. He says, we are to be good, to be generous, ready to share, thus storing up treasure as a good foundation. You see, anytime we do something good with our money, anytime we do something to share with someone and to meet a need with someone, I am telling you, you are storing up treasure in heaven. And that's what we need to be about, storing up treasure in heaven. But now let's go on. Look at verse 4. He says, Behold, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which, it, which you kept back by fraud, are crying out against you, and the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. Now he's talking to rich business owners. So some of you are like, well, I don't have to listen to that because I'm not a business owner. And no, you're not a business owner. But let me ask you, are you an employee? Because I'm going to flip this both ways. First, I want to talk to you who are business owners. Okay. What he's talking about here, there were Christian business owners who, notice he says you, he, that he uses the word fraud, because these business owners were paying their, their laborers in, with such a small income that they couldn't survive. But the person who was the 
the, the employer was very wealthy. And James is like, this is out of balance. So if you are a business owner and you have employees, as a Christian business owner, guess what you should be doing for your employees? Paying them well. To the best of your ability. Now, I'm not saying that you are, are paying your employees to like, man, the business will go under. Not saying that. But as a business owner, you should be going, you know what? I want to honor God with my, my money and my business. And one way I do that is I bless my employees. I want to pay them to the best of my ability and pay them well. Now, again, maybe you're not a business owner, but you are an employee. So the question I've got to ask myself as an employee is this. Am I doing okay? Am I, am I paid well? Does my company take care of me? And if you can honestly say, I think so. I think they take care of me. I think I'm doing okay. Then let's stop this one word, greed. Because, boy, we're living in a greedy time, aren't we? We have, we, have, we have businesses where people are like, listen, if I'm not making at least $40 an hour and you're not going to pay me for pay my insurance for life, it's not enough. And greed is gripping the heart of people. And unfortunately, it's gripping the heart of Christians. We need to be people who, whether I'm the employer or the employee, to go, you know what? God, I want, I, I want to be a blessing with what you give me. And if I feel like I'm doing okay, then you know what? Doesn't mean, doesn't mean you can't ever ask for a pay raise. Absolutely not. Ask for a pay raise. You know, I really struggled between whether I should share this or not. Because when I share anything about me, I never want to share anything to make it sound like I'm boasting. Does that make sense? I want to show you how messed up I am. So that way you all feel good. All right? But as, as the pastor, one thing I have tried to do to the best of my ability is make sure the people who are staffed here. So that was before it was Kevin it was Stephanie as our admin assistant. It was Candy as our children's director. Now it's Christy and Dusty. And one of the things that I have always tried to do was make sure the staff of this church pay, got paid well. The last time I asked personally the elders for a pay raise was the end of 2014. After 20 years of ministry, for the first time this year, I went to the elders after seven years and said, hey, would you mind if I could get a pay? And here's how, and you could ask them. I said, if you guys feel like financially as a church, we can't afford it, I'm okay. And they, Ron Robinson looked at me. He's like, dude, shut up. <laughs> he's like, man, you should have been. I'm like, I'm like I wanted to make sure these people get paid well. And you're going to notice on the, if you, if you take a, a budget, Dusty, he's, he's the associate. I'm the senior. He actually makes more money than me. I'm okay with that because I want them paid well. Paul and I, we're doing okay. I don't need a $10,000 pay raise, but I want them to be able to be paid well. I want the staff in this church. So if I cannot take a pay raise so they can get a pay raise, I'll do that. That's what I've been striving for. And I think that's what James is hitting at here, is that whether I'm an employee or an employer, man, strive to be Christ-like in the middle of all that. And look at where the, you know, view your money to be a blessing and nothing else. And then he goes on, and he says, you have lived on earth in luxury and in self-indulgence. You have fattened your hearts in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the righteous person. He does not resist you. Now, when he talks about condemning and murder the righteous person, more than likely the rich people in these days, they actually had control over the courts. They had control over so much that they could keep a poor person even poorer, which could cause them to die. And so James is like, okay, you guys are calling yourself Christians, and this is how you're behaving. You have indulged yourself. You've lived in self, like self, this luxury and self-indulgence. What he's talking about is, again, Christians who only view money for self. It's all about me. 
It's all about what I want. I just want to make more so I can spend more. I want to make more money so I can have more. And the idea is, is he's saying, you have no eternal perspective and you are not using your money to be a blessing. And he's like, you are like a, like a cow fattened up for what? Slaughter. He's like, that's a bad place to be. We need to view our money to be a blessing. How can I use my money to be a blessing? You know, write these four things. These are not on your, your points. I was actually struggling with how I wanted to end this message, and I actually put these four points together this morning in my office because I did not know how to, how to close this message because it was just, for me, a very tough message. Here's four things, and just write these four things down that I think you and I can put into place to help us have smart money. As we approach the new year, let's do these four things. And I think if you do these four things, you will have smart money. You will have a, an eternal perspective and you will use your money for blessing. Here's the first thing. Write these two words down. Honor God. Right out of the gate, if you want to have smart money, honor God with it. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 9 says, honor the Lord with your wealth. That means you put, you put your money, you give it to God first and foremost. God gets your best. He gets your first. So that means you and I tithe. We give that 10%. Now, I know there's the argument that says, Jim, the New Testament doesn't teach tithing. And it doesn't. I believe it just it teaches generous giving. But when people want to argue about giving the 10% or the tithe, what they're saying is, you know what? I want to give God a tip. So, so the idea of giving 10%, well, that's just too much. And, and if the Bible doesn't tell me I need to do that in the New Testament, I'm going to only give my half a percent. You see, again, I think it goes back to I don't want to honor God because if I honor God, that means less for me. And if there's less for me, I don't get as much. We need to honor God. Here's the second thing. Tender heart. Honor God. Keep a tender heart. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 12, he says, If the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable to what he has, not according to what he does not have. You see, God, a lot of people think, well, if, that's what I said earlier, that, well, let the rich people, let those who make a lot of money handle this, you know, giving the church. And I don't make very much, so you know what? My giving doesn't matter. No, no, no. Paul says, here's the thing. If you have a willing heart, a tender heart, a heart that says, God, I don't make a lot of money, but man, I want to be a blessing with it. I want to use it to the best of my ability. Because I'm telling you, if you have that tender heart before God, God can take the smallest gift that you can give and he can bless it. He just wants you to be willing with it, a willing heart, a tender heart before him to say, God, it doesn't matter how much I give or how much I make. I just want to be a giver. I want to be a person who blesses. And I'm telling you, that gift is acceptable. It's not about what you have or what you don't. It's just saying, God, here it is. Here's the third thing. Write these two words down. Corresponding giving. So honor God, tender heart, corresponding giving. 1 Corinthians 16.2 16, says, give in keeping with your income. So listen, if your income is going up, guess where your giving better be? Going up with it. Because if your income is going up and your giving is still way down here, guess what? You're all about me. Man, if, I'm, if, if my income is going up, man, my, my giving better be going up. My blessing better be going up. I need to be going, I'm, my giving better be in correlation, in connection with what I am making, okay? Because I'm telling you, there are a lot of people who do make a lot of money, and their giving is only a small portion of that. Man, listen, if you can look at your finances and you're like, you know what, we made $300,000 last year, but we only gave three hundred. dollars That's wrong. Something's way off there, Okay? My giving better correspond with what I'm bringing in. And so as my giving, my, my, my income goes up, my giving better go up. And then here's the fourth thing. Meet needs. Honor God, tender heart, corresponding giving, meet needs. Galatians 6.10 says, As we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. So if, when an opportunity arises... 
If I have a little bit of money to help somebody, I'm going to give it. If I can be a blessing to someone, I'm going to do it. As opportunity arises to anybody around, but especially to, to the saints, to the people in the church, man, I want to be able to be a blessing. I'm going to call my wife out, and she doesn't know I was going to do this, and, and I don't think she'll mind, but she told me something the other night that really touched my heart because I share with her where I'm going with my message, and she kind of actually helps me through some of this stuff. She told me about, because she's a social worker at OSF in Gelsberg at St. Mary's, and she works with a lot of very poor people, um, people who are just, I mean, society has spit them up and chewed them out, you know, homeless people, the whole nine yards. And she was helping this, this uh, gentleman in Gelsberg who was going to a temp agency, and he was trying to get a job. He was no job, and he, she, he, and it was coming into Christmas, and he had to get to this temp agency on this day, or he would go the next five days with no money. She said he had about 35 cents to his name, and um, he goes to the temp agency. They said, yep, you can start this job, and, and you can start tomorrow. Do you have a pair of steel-toed boots? And the gentleman was like, no, I don't. Then they're like, if you don't have steel-toed boots, you can't start. And so he told Paula that he's like, I don't have any steel toe boots. Maybe I can call around. Maybe this weekend I can find somebody. And, but then he wouldn't be able to start the next day. So Paula calls up her boss and says, hey, do we have any gift cards that we can use in our, from our emergency fund? They, she said, we got a couple. Um, the boots were like $40, not a lot. She was able to get a couple gift cards, but it didn't, it, it didn't meet the $40. So she says... Mark, whatever his name was, I'm going to go to Walmart, and I've got some gift cards from, from my job, and, and I'm going to get these boots for you. And she goes, I want you to know I am not paying for these. My job is. But what he didn't know was that the gift cards from her job didn't cover them. So Paula spent our money, made up the difference. And it wasn't a lot. It was like 12 bucks. But she knew we can spend 12 bucks. And she was able to get this man a pair of steel-toed boots. And she goes, she goes, I have never seen this. He said, I, she goes, here you go. And he took that, those, that box of boots, held them and hugged them and began to cry. And he was able to go to work the next day. You see, she had an opportunity to give, to be a blessing. You see, that's what you and I need to do. Look for opportunities. When you're driving in, 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 like if you go through McDonald's, look in your rearview mirror and see if, like identify, maybe you see a woman and you don't know, maybe she's married, but maybe it's a young mom with children in the car. Tell the person, go, hey, the, the, there's a woman going to be coming up with, with small children. I'd like to pay for her meal. It's simple. Look for opportunity. Maybe it's, maybe it's a homeless person with a sign. And I know, well, you never know what they're going to do with them. Don't, that's not up to you. But maybe you look in your wallet and you got 10 bucks. Just give them 10 bucks. Look for opportunity. How can I give? When, we, when, there, when there's a need, oh, I'm telling you, man, you all have been a blessing this past year. You truly have. You've been a blessing during COVID. The stuff that I've seen in this church and the money that you guys, I mean, I mean, we, when, when our kids' apartment burned down, you guys all stepped in and gave. And then the week after that, you gave again to Jim and Bridget Calkins. And in, in a matter of two or three weeks, we gave to, two, to our kids and to Jim and Bridget Calkins almost $4,000 in two weeks. That is a giving heart. Can I tell you, what I've seen in the finances of this church, I, I went back through our finances over the last 10 years, and we average each year about $165,000 as a church giving in over the last 10 years, okay? Well, as we all know, this church has gone from 105 to 110 people on a Sunday to about 50, okay? So we've been cut in half. Can I tell you, um, as of last Sunday, so I don't even know what we got brought in this Sunday yet. As of last Sunday, like I said, we averaged 165 as a church. Last Sunday, $195,000 this past year during COVID. During, with half of our church gone. How does that happen? Because as I preached at my 20th, my team's on the floor. 
And I believe you guys get this. But how many of you know I couldn't skip this? I couldn't be like, oh, my church has got this. Now I don't need to preach. I still had to preach it because we got a new year coming. And guess what we need to be as a church? What you need to be as a family? What you need to be as an individual? You need to be someone who, hey, I got an eternal perspective in viewing my money, and I want to be a blessing. And so when I have opportunity, when there's a need in the church, I want to give. I'm going to, be, I'm going to honor God with my tithe. And when I have an opportunity, I see a, a, a person on the corner. You know what? I'm going to, I'm going to, if I have a little bit of money, I'm going to bless them. If I can bless somebody, I want to be a blessing. It, it doesn't mean you have to do, do it all the time to try to meet every need. You just can't. But when you feel the Holy Spirit prompt you and you got a little bit you can give, be a blessing. Be like Christ. You see, I just believe that we need to have a view about money that is more Christ-like. And guys, I, I, I'm telling you from the bottom of my heart as we close out this new year, I'm touched. I, I feel blessed. You know, I, I'm, I'm grateful that we can, we can bless Dusty and Christy. I, I, I'm going to be honest. I wish I, could, I wish I could pay them a whole lot more. But man, I'm telling you, you all have been good and you've blessed this church and and I'm looking forward to what we're going to do the next year. Amen? I hope you guys are excited for 2022. I think God's going to do some good stuff, but let's continue to view our money the way he wants us to do it. Let's stand. Let me close in prayer. So, Father, we are grateful for your many blessings. And, Lord, God, help us as we close out this new year, as we go into 2022, that, Lord, we would have the right perspective and have smart money. Help us to be wise with it. Help us to honor you with it. Lord, help us to view it with an eternal perspective and help us to be a blessing, Lord. Lord, we want to honor you more than anything. And we just pray, God, that you would just um, continue <clears throat> to stir our hearts and help us to be Christ-like in everything we give and do. And we just thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. <clears throat> Amen. <clears throat>